Thank you for tuning in to the Career Talks podcast. I'm your host, Orlando Haynes, and here is where we provide actionable advice for your career and life. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Career Talks podcast. I'm your host, Orlando Hangs. And as always, phenomenal expert guests with phenomenal content. So we provide actionable advice for your career and life. And I'm just checking, folks, to make sure we are going live on LinkedIn. There we go. Confirmation. Uh, there's always some delay, but I appreciate your patience. Uh, so this episode is sponsored by the Career Accelerator Planner. It's the only planner, the first planner created by my partner, Karen Turner, and I that helps you, the corporate professional, track your progress, progress, performance and value. Uh, So it's with prompted questions that allow you to track everything you've done in corporate. So this way, if you're making a pitch for a raise or promotion, you've documented all your wins that you've done in in corporate America. Shoot me a DM on LinkedIn. I'll send you the link. Uh, for that, but definitely check it out. Uh, so super excited, super excited for tonight. We are talking about leadership um, with this phenomenal CEO. Uh, this lady was introduced to me. Uh, let me shout out Diana YK Chan, who uh, who by accident came on. I won't say by accident, but brought us together for on her show, and through just visualizing who was amongst the the amazing folks and talent. I reached out to this young lady and she said yes. So super excited to bring on Miss Sheehan Shu to the broadcast. How are you? Very well. Sorry, I'm doing very well. How are you? Thank you Good. so much for having me. Good. Thank you so much for accepting. And did I say the name right one more time? Just she you did. It was perfect. Good. Took me about 10 minutes, folks, but <laughs> so Sheehan is <laughs> Shein is amazing. She's gracious enough to let me uh, mess it up, but uh, she she coached me on getting it right. So share with folks more about who you are, your business, and what you do. Sure. So um, as Orlando said, um, I'm Shein, and I'm based in Canada, um, in the Toronto area. And in terms of the work I do, I do we do leadership and executive coaching, uh, predominantly in the healthcare space. So we work with a lot of healthcare leaders, and we help them become even better leaders. And the whole idea is to help make a positive difference at work with their teams, with their organizations, and for society on the whole. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much, you know, what we focus on in terms of the coaching practice or our clients are typically leaders in either hospitals, organizations, working in the community, partners um, in the healthcare space, uh, for-profit, not-for-profit. And then we also do some workshops, team workshops, facilitations, as well as keynote uh, speaking at uh, conferences and events. So um, it's, um, yeah, that's, I'll stop there and then, you know, I'll see if there's anything else. That's all? (laughs) (laughs) Not busy at all. You're not busy at all. (laughs) So we're talking about, you let off with uh, executive leadership coaching, which is phenomenal based on the topic. Um, And I chose the topic based on that, looking on your website, 
you, you speak to a, a ton of leaders. You're a leader. And I felt it was a great topic to to bring the light. So when we talk about what's missing in leadership today, what kind of conversations are you having as you're doing your executive coaching with other leaders? Yeah. First of all, I loved that question. You know, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's it, it was it's very catchy and it's so important. It's such an important conversation. I will tell you that we're facing in many ways, a leadership crisis um, in healthcare, particularly, but also in a lot of other industries, a lot of in the entire world. You know, the baby boomers are resigning, they're retiring. So we have this whole new wave of leadership change that is occurring. And obviously, we know everything that's going on in the world that's uncertain, unstable in so many ways. So when I think about what's missing, you know, three big things kind of come to mind based on some of the work we've been doing. One of them is oh, there's this lack of whether we call it visionary leaders, you know, leaders who aren't bold enough to take risks, to see a future that hasn't been created before. Uh, you know, that sort of is, um, is missing in many ways uh, because people are more, conservative, you know, given the pandemic, given all the, the things that we've been going through, they're more risk averse, especially in the healthcare realm. Secondly, the other part is um, there is an element of leadership. You know, people get into leadership positions many times, either sometimes they call it by accident or they say, you know, they were a good performer in their previous roles and then they promote it. They're promoted into leadership roles mm -hmm. and they're not given the training. They're not given the mentorship, the coaching, and guess what? They learn the bad behaviors, right? They learn things that do not create a healthy environment at, in the workplace. They don't promote employee engagement. You know, it's hard for people to want to be there. So a lot of that is we're missing that aspect of leadership that helps leaders actually learn to become great leaders. Mm. And leadership really is an inside-out game. So we need we need to prep our leaders in many ways. We need to train them. We need to mentor them. We need to coach them to understand who they are as people because who they are as people will then show up how they lead themselves at work, how they lead their teams, how they lead their businesses, how they lead the organization. And a lot of leaders don't have that time to just sit down, to introspect. You know, I'll tell you, most of the leaders that I work with, a lot of the CEOs, they're waiting for that session we have to sit down and have that time to introspect, you know, to be able to listen to their own ideas, their own thoughts, and then formulate where they want to go. So it's hard for a lot of people to take that time on their own to be doing that because they're constantly firefighting. You know, it's like, mm. what's next? What's next? What's next? And there's if you don't make the time for something, it's not going to happen. The third thing I would say is given, you know, the mental health crisis we've been seeing, burnout, oh, the layoffs, a bunch of things. It's so important for leaders to have an element of compassion in their personality, in you know who they are as people, as human beings. And you know, there's a lot of leaders who demonstrate that really well, but there's a lot of leaders who also struggle with that. So that that is an, I would say that is a virtue, it's a quality that any aspiring leader, that any leader in the future, if they have that, will definitely, you know, flourish. 
Wow. So, so many things to unpack there, uh, which I absolutely love. And I took notes. One was visionary, if we can recap it real quick. Two is training, coaching, mentorship, uh, and three is compassion. So my question would be, are you seeing that at only the executive level? So these are seasoned leaders, or do you come across folks that are newly minted leaders and still have those struggles? Where's the biggest audience that you're seeing those three points, um, you know, where that gap is? Okay, so to answer your question, um, we we're seeing this kind of at all levels, but at the at the very top, at the C-suite, what happens mm. is when you have this, the impact is almost multiplied because there it's a ripple effect, mm-hmm. so, you know. So it's it's going through the entire organization in many ways. What we are also seeing is you know some of the the middle management, some of the more ambitious leaders, the millennials are actually pretty bold you know they want to take risks but in many ways then they met with friction so they're having kind of yeah so it's it's uh, it's a little tough uh situation that they're dealing with there um because we have more seasoned leaders who Mm -hmm. think a little bit differently and are not yet ready for that pace of change or whatever it may be to innovate to create new things so even though we, I would say this is more of an issue maybe at the top leadership, we need to also start addressing these issues in middle management, you know, in our professional levels, so that we're preparing to, we're, we're thinking about the pipeline, right? We're always right. thinking about succession planning. So if you don't, if you don't invest in this, then you're going to see the ripple effects sooner or later. That's good. So when you, you mentioned inside and out. Uh, inside out. So define that a little bit more, unpack that a little bit. Sure. So basically what that means is, you know, um, sometimes a lot of people will say, well, I want to be a leader. And when they say that, they are referring to a title. They're referring to wealth. They're referring referring to fame, to popularity, to power in many ways. Um, But true leadership actually does not require you to have a title. A title gives you positional authority, it gives you power, but that does not make you a leader. You know, they say to be a leader, you literally need one follower. And um, so when we say, you know, it's an inside out game, what that means is it really starts on the inside. You have to do the work to unpack who, who Orlando is, right? Before before we are able to influence others, before we were able to build large companies, things like that. I'm not saying that it's, you know, there's a lot of people who get to these positions and they haven't done that. There's a ceiling then there's something that happens and then it cracks and then they got to do the work for you to climb higher. It, it is necessary. It, it is necessary at some point in your career, in your life for you to be able to do that. I'm sure you've done a bunch of that stuff yourself, Orlando, to be wherever you are. At this mm-hmm. point, would you would you agree in terms of uh, the insight? I would. And I like to think when you as you climb that corporate ladder, um, the, the the dynamics change quite a bit. Yeah. Right. How you communicate, how you perceive things, how you envision things, um, your perspective. A lot of those things change during the, the you know, the corporate climb up that ladder. I think I had I had one guest. <clears throat> on who shared that they was actually coaching coaching her on how to act 
Like, here's how you need to act if you're going to come in the C-suite. Don't mm. be your authentic self. Could be a little too much. Let's mm. tone it down a bit. This is what fits the mold in our mm. corporation. Do you hear feedback like that from mm. uh, from leaders who are trying to ascend and may are coming across resistance? Uh, are there any kind of pushbacks where it's more like, hey, here's the model I need you to fit in. If you can't fit in, then this is not for you. Yeah, that's uh, that's so interesting. You know, at the end of the day, um, well, when you when you move into leadership roles and when you're going to the top of your organization, it's a lot about the soft skills versus the you know the hard technical skills. It's more we're working on behaviors at that point. Yep. So it it's not wrong that we often coach for behaviors. So whether that's communication behaviors, whether you know it's how you show up in terms of your presence, your leadership presence way you speak, a lot of that, um, you know, how you're listening. Uh, those are behaviors that are targeted. But at the end of the day, you can only, you know, you cannot pretend to be someone else. If you want to shine as a leader in your own, in your own skin and who you are, you have to be able to embrace who you are. So that means knowing who your authentic self is and being able to showcase that authentic self. Mm -hmm. You can obviously learn certain things that you know, you're, when you look at your your behaviors, there are some behaviors that may come across to others in a way that you are not aware of. We call it the leader's reputation, right? Like you, you know how you show up and you might think a certain way, but how others see you might be totally different. So often what we do is we'll do like an initial 360 assessment. And I like to actually interview my leaders, direct reports, you know, if... Um, their stakeholders uh, in terms of their peers, if it's the CEO, their board members, the board chair, um, or you know, if they're a little bit junior, then maybe their direct manager to get that feedback in terms of how they show up at work. You know, what are some of their strengths? What are some areas that they could be better at? What's one behavior that if they changed, they would be a more effective leader? But we still try to stick to who this person is. You know, you want to preserve that. You don't want to make this person somebody else but you want to help that person find who they are and become a better version of who they already are because that's when they're going to shine you know you cannot be somebody else and then pretend that's only going to last a little while but then you're going to revert back Got it. do you see a, a change in that i want to say executive template of how your presence is, because you mentioned your executive presence, which is <clears throat> pretty, pretty, um, can be pretty, I want to use the word stoic mm -hmm. in, a, in a sense, like there's the law firm kind of executive where it's straight laced and, you know, super business professional. Then you have other corporations that you're a little more lax business casual. You can be yourself a little bit. The question is, do you see a shift in how executive presence is forming you know, in today's uh, career economy now? Or, or is it still that traditional, mm. like, this is what it looks like? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question because, you know, given the type of organization, the culture, you, you learn, you learn different ways to act, to mm -hmm. show up and see what works, what doesn't work. So I think there's still a little bit of that going on, but it is changing. It is, uh, it's changing. When we, you know, when we talk about executive presence, uh, it's a term that's very widely used, but it's not well understood. 
And what it really, you know, what it really denotes is, does this person have the presence to be a leader, to be an executive? And when we talk about presence, it just means that does this person, you know, are they, are they clear on who they are? And are they, you know, are they clear on what it is, you know, that they're there to do in terms of the mission? Like we say, what is, what's, you know, how do you make that other person feel when you're with them? And what did they say when you're gone, when you're not in that room? Yo, mm, yep, branding, your personal brand. Yeah, I love that. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to add something about you asked about the inside out piece. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of, you know, leaders as they go, as they climb the ladder, it becomes sometimes they say it's lonely at the top. Right. So, you know, it's it's only lonely if you really don't, if you're not at kind of like you don't understand yourself fully you're not at peace with yourself Mm -hmm. if you if you really took that time to you know to understand who you are and you're you're comfortable in your own skill you're confident in your own strengths you know what some of your areas of development maybe you know where you need help then it becomes a much more exciting game yep and i think also if they're saying that they're not like you mentioned earlier they don't have a succession plan to bring somebody up right so they they kind of get siloed in that <clears throat> so you also mentioned the the training mentorship coaching piece does it get more difficult i've never been a c level ex- executive um does it get more difficult to add that to your plate or is it a requirement at that level like should you now be required to hey turn back reach one teach one kind of mm-hmm. model what are you seeing out there and hearing from your client base? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you referring to the leaders in the company mentoring their their direct reports and staff, or are Correct. you referring to external, internal? Uh, let's go internal and then external. Yeah. Okay, um, it's definitely uh, from what I'm hearing, it's very hard because the pressures on leaders you know, at the, at the very top, especially, it seems like the work has expanded in many ways because of all the, you know, all what, all what has been happening in our, in our world over the last few years with the pandemic and just the pace of change, mm-hmm. there seems to be more on their plates. Now this is where prioritization, prioritization comes into play, right? Because what you focus on is going to grow and what is important, you're going to find the time to focus on. So a lot of a lot of leaders may not value it, may not find that it's important enough to invest their time, to invest their energy into something like this. Mm. There are some who, who have realized that there's no other way around it, especially when people are, you know, we're having a human health, human resource crisis and people are leaving the workplace. We have to invest in our people. So yeah. there are a lot of organizations, leaders who are investing but also a lot who find it very, very tough to do. So that almost counteracts the phrase, uh, great leaders build great leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you do that if you don't have the time yeah. or if that's not built out, you know, in your in your overall plan uh, to, to raise up the next generation of leaders in the organization so it can progress? Like the benefit is tremendous, obviously. Right. New thought, new thought, new vision, uh, new new scopes, uh, new diversity. You mm-hmm. know, uh, leaders. But so that's that's interesting to think that you have organizations out there 
at the top top they're making it they're just piling on <laughs> work for their their executive leaders and like can't get it done it was like you're not giving me the the room to stretch and grow and develop and you know mm-hmm. so this stuff can get done as a as an organization versus an individual so that's yeah. that's that's interesting so the visionary piece the very first one i like to bounce around a bit because you said you're seeing you're not seeing too many people be bold and take risk but specifically in the healthcare space yes is that because it's the healthcare space and there's so much risk around um that industry what does that look uh, like potentially i mean um i'm based in canada so mm-hmm. a lot of our work is in the public health system which is you know governed by a whole bunch of regulations and you know it's it's linked Stuff. to the <laughs> yeah. politics and uh, <laughs> all of that but despite all of that i would say uh we we do have a workforce of leaders who are very risk averse and who are not used to making those bold decisions or taking a stance on something. Do you think it's due to being in Canada? Like what's your client base? I'll ask that. Are you coaching also executives outside of the, outside of Canada province? I do. Yeah, we do have some in outside in the States, in the U S primarily though most of my our work is in Canada do you see a, a, a difference in thought process in leadership and visionary amongst US leaders versus uh, Canadian leaders just because of that government oversight and things like that a, a little bit for sure because with mm-hmm. the US you have you know the private side of healthcare yeah. as well so there's what that does is it, it entices competition so you're you're trying to get better. You're striving to get better versus in Canada, we're a publicly funded healthcare system on the whole. And it's changing, you know, we're going through big changes. So there are, you know, there are lots of talks about privatization coming in uh, to help potentially help, but we don't know what's going to happen because this is all, this is all very new. Um, But it, you know, it is, it is a little bit different in the U S because of that, the way healthcare has been structured over all these years. Got it. Got it. So based on the, the clients that you have, um, do you see more coming to you for coaching to go to the next level or just to gain clarity so they they can perform better at the level they're at? Mm-hmm. Or is there a mix? Yeah. So typically what we're seeing is at the middle management level. Mm-hmm. So at, you know, senior manager, director, um, those levels, they are coming to us looking to climb. They want to go to that next level. You know, they've they've hit a plateau. They want to do great work. They want to be challenged, and they're not getting that. Mm. So they're they're coming for that to you know find that next role, find that next opportunity, and then at the at the very top, that's when we're looking at you know how do we how do we build a culture within this organization mm. that's going to engage our employees that's going to drive our organization to meet those strategic goals we have so that's more of the sort of the bigger picture than we're working with the ceo and their leadership team got it got it so when it comes to the the ceo level and they're looking to build an organization a stronger culture what are some of the roadblocks they're presenting to you uh, that you're working with them on um i mean in the public health system a big one is funding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
if you look traditionally, coaching, training, leadership development was kind of always an add-on. Like it wasn't a necessity. It's not mm. a necessity. So, yeah. So it's, you know, they have to kind of find the funds to support this work and um, and think about it a little bit differently. So a big one comes down to resources. But there's been, you know, I've worked with some amazing CEOs who, it all comes down to once you understand how important something is, you will always find the funds to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, even as a person, if you want to do something, yeah. you really <laughs> want it, we're going to figure it out, right, Orlando? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what, you know, that's what it normally, but the big one is funding and then the time because they're constantly firefighting, we call it. Wow. You know, there's one thing after the, the other next, um, you know, next priority, things changing. And, um, you know, how do you, how do you make this a priority? And it's, it's a change for, uh, for everyone. Mm. Are you it's a seeing, positive change. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That's interesting. That's very interesting. So is that, um, cause again, uh, it, it's so, correct me if I'm wrong. Is your niche, the healthcare space? Exactly. It is. Okay. Yes. So yeah. for folks that are outside that, so for the executives that come to you, cause your name will spread and I'm like, you know, she amazing. They'll come to you. I'm not in the health space, but do you do you see that funding issue and that mindset shift across the board to where they're like hey i need to develop my team create a succession plan create a better culture but we need training development mentoring um or is that just a heavy focus um you see obviously you're in the health coach space but is that just a heavy focus where that mindset is blocked in, in that industry um you know I would say it comes down to the type of person and the way we think, because each of us, we come with our own predominant beliefs about right. money and funding. So depending on whether you're more sort of scarcity focused, you're more abundance focused, that I think that is the predominant factor when it comes down to, to funding. Because if you're, if you believe in the abundance, then you'll find a way to do it. And, and, and they do versus on the other side, it's, well, no, no, we got to, you know, we got to, this is not a priority. we got to do something else. We have all these other things and we got to take care of that first. So mm -hmm. I would say um, more than maybe industry or organization, it, it comes down to the individual um, level of, you know, the way they think and the belief system. So, it's obvious that the ones that are having the correct mindset, they're coming to you, right? So <laughs> uh, it sounds like you have a tremendous amount of work to do over there. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what else are you seeing um, that kind of surprised you when it comes to that? Because what we're talking about, too, is also that mindset. Mm -hmm. it's a mindset within leadership to take risk. What are you seeing out there as well that's surprising to you because you're in a different mindset? You're like, wow, this is not widely accepted. Um, so what, what are some additional struggles and mindset blocks you, you've witnessed out there? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's very interesting because when you asked about some of the biggest challenges that they're facing in terms of leaders at the top itself uh, we're having a crisis when it comes to health human resources so we don't have enough staff 
whether we're that's at the front lines, a lot of it we're seeing at the front lines. So, you know, clinicians, nurses, doctors, therapists, and then even when you move up towards leadership there, you know, we, we are having some, some difficulty there, but more so on the front lines in terms of keeping our staff engaged, making sure that they're finding meaning at work. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because nobody knows the answer because we've never, it's been an ongoing problem in healthcare. And this is not only in Canada, this is actually in the States too, where they're facing the health human resource crisis. And um, it's just sort of blown up now because of COVID. And the whole, like, you know, when I think about it, sometimes it's so easy, you know, you, you allow people to find, find purpose at work, and then they're, they're more inclined to stay in the job. You know, if you, if you recognize them, if you help them to become a better version of themselves, they're going to want to stay. But yet, when you think about implementing it, a lot of organizations are having a difficult time putting it into place on a big scale. Yeah. Uh, I know, Diane. Pardon. Go, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say the implementation piece is always the toughest. That uh, is. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, um, go ahead, Orlando. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I think Diana or somebody else had mentioned, you know, a, an organization sort of doing career coaching for an organization for mm -hmm. their staff to help them, you know, in, with, in terms of the, in terms of all the, you know, sort of the challenges and the difficulties. So that, that will help their people to, to have a trusted source and, you know, be able to find where it is they want to, you know, they, they can grow and flourish mm -hmm. in their own careers. So it's yeah. like coming up with those innovative solutions. Yeah, the, it's like the heavy lift is getting the right systems, the, yeah. you'll spend the money mm -hmm. for the third-party consulting or whatever it is to, to get all this into play. Everyone's excited. Then it's, when it's time to flick that switch on implementation, the it burns out quicker because the, the adoption of it from the community of employees are not mm -hmm. as quick, right? So it's not the first time you got to do it again. It's the second time it can take, even from a system standpoint, yeah. we, I've heard consultants say it will, once it's, once your system is up and running, whatever that system is, mm -hmm. it will still take about 18 months for you to work out the kinks. Right. Right. It could have been a right. two, two year process of getting it ready to launch and then, mm -hmm. you, and then you're tearing around. So it's going to take you almost another two years <laughs> to even get through that. So just because of the change, you know, the, you know, mindset changes and things like that, the people willing to accept it, that has to be so difficult right. again to sustain that constant push and motivation to get, um, you know, again, a, a culture shift or change from the top down. That's it. That's, That's it. huge. Yeah. <clears throat> And it's and the thing is, um, it's done before and it's doable. You know, like when mm -hmm. we when we typically coach our leaders, we use we use a team based approach in many ways. Like even though we're working one to one with the leader, mm -hmm. uh, it's um, it's a stakeholder centered coaching, which was developed initially by Marshall Goldsmith, who's you know the world's number oh. one executive coach. So um, it involves their team in many ways because we we get their feedback first of all and then we ask them to kind of be involved in the, the leaders ongoing coaching uh, so you know the leaders touch basing with them so what happens over those six months over the next year is the team actually sees the leader is invested in their own growth 
you know, they're working on that typical, that particular goal that they've given feedback on. And now the rest of the team says, well, you know, if they're working on something to improve, I think I'm going to work on something. I want to work on something too. And then you have this ripple effect happening and I've seen it happening. So, you know, we have many of these processes there already. It's just getting organizations to do it on a large scale so that you can grow that impact and then have automatically the rest of the team becomes more engaged. They're more inspired because now they're seeing their leader working on themselves and then they want to do the work too and then kind of continue that ripple effect. What are some of the action plans that you provide? Don't don't give away your whole, you know, your whole process. People got to, they got to hire you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's, it's so simple yet we say it's not easy to do. So basically when we start off, we do a 360. So we will, you know, interview the leaders, direct manager, their direct reports, their peers uh, internally, as well as externally, you know, who, who have been working with them, who can provide some good feedback. And um, the feedback is anonymous and we put it into a report and then we debrief with the leader in terms of what is coming out. We pull themes from there and the leader then picks a goal to work on in terms of their leadership behavior. Uh, a lot of it is behavior focused. So when we're doing the feedback, we'll ask, you know, what is that one behavior that maybe this leader should work on to make them an even more effective leader? And then based on all of the data that comes in, the leader gets to decide because ultimately it's the leader who should be deciding what goal they're working on. And then the sponsor who is their, you know, their boss. Uh, so the direct manager or the board chair will say, I think that's a good goal. Let's, let's work on this goal. And once they've created the goal, they go back to, we, we call them stakeholders. So they will select a certain number of direct reports, certain number of peers, of course, their bosses involved who are directly affected by this particular goal and say, you know, thanks for your feedback. Because of what you've said, I'm going to be working on this particular goal for the next six months, next year. Can you tell me two to three things, actionable suggestions that I can do every day at work when I, you know, when I show up that will help me move towards this goal? So they collate all that data and then we debrief, we, we create an action plan. And that action plan is almost like a daily checklist that they create for things that they're going to do every day. And they, they check it off for themselves to make sure that they're on track to moving towards the goal. And then every month, uh, so they share that actually, they share the action plan with their stakeholders to say, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, you know, if you see me in meetings, please look, look out for these things. If you have any feedback, let me know right away. So you're getting in-time feedback. And then they, they connect with their stakeholders every month to say, how did I do in the last 30 days? And what can I do in the next 30 days? So we call it feed forward because we're interested in, you know, what can I do in the future? Don't dwell on the past, but tell me what it is I can do for the future that will help me move towards that goal to help you. And, um, and then, I mean, we have our regular coaching sessions with the leader and they're checking in with their stakeholders. And then at the six month mark, we do we do a survey. So we actually do an anonymous survey that measures their improvement. So when we talk about leadership, it's, um, you know, sometimes you do these things and you don't know whether it worked, whether it didn't work. Yeah. Um, so we actually do a survey and the survey is not it's not the leader who's saying, hey, I improved, you know, hooray. But it's actually all their stakeholders. So it's their boss. It's their direct reports everybody else who completes the survey and it's a scale from minus three to plus three, 
where they're rated. So minus three is they've become worse in their leadership and mm -hmm. plus three is they've, uh, you know, improved in terms of their goal. So they're scored and then they get, um, they get objective feedback as well um, in terms of what they can do moving forward. So it's a, it's a, it's a whole process and it's evidence-based and it's, it works. It's very effective. It's very, you know, if you do it, if you do it correctly, you're going to see an improvement and you can do this in your personal life too. So what I encourage a lot of my leaders to do, even though we're working on a lot of the work related, you know, corporate goals, mm -hmm. I will always say, put in some personal goals, some things that, you know, you want to change in your own life in, you know, that you want to do daily because that's, that almost founds the foundation that builds the foundation for everything else that you're going to be doing. Interesting. So mm -hmm. you get that feedback once that's completed and then the survey, the survey. Yeah. So yeah. is it the people leader of said manager delivers that feedback plus or minus whatever it is, or do you um, as the, cons the consultant say, Hey, here's what, here's some findings. No. So I will normally we'll get the survey back and then the coach will debrief the survey with the leader. And then we'll go back to the sponsor um, to say, you know, this is how the leader did. So they've improved in the, their leadership. This, you know, this, this is how they've done. They've done really well. And moving forward, these are some of the recommendations. So that's mm. typically yeah, how it works. Is that, is that better received because you're not an employee of the organization? Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. You yeah. know, as a third party, there's a lot of advantages because when you're internal to the organization, there's, you know, there's dynamics and then you're, you're not comfortable you don't want to say some things that might yeah. be that might you know come across a different way. Um, you might be guarded, so it's it's very it's a very different relationship. Mm. Is tough conversations on the table when you're talking to the executives? So that's absolutely one of the, okay. <laughs> Without that, you're not going to move forward. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll tell you that a lot of leaders when they see their initial three sixties, a lot of them will say, "You know what? I didn't sleep last night." Like just mm. by reading their reports. Um, yeah. Oh, they didn't like, so the feedback wasn't positive to their, Some what they thought it, of. Okay. As, yeah. You know, as human beings, we get, we get positive feedback and we get credit, we get constructive criticism, but guess mm -hmm. where our focus goes? It always goes to the, the negatives. Negative. Yeah. 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 Yep. Just as human humans, that's what we do. That's it. That's, that's funny. So yeah. when it comes to the, the, um, the end result because you said the survey and you looked you follow up to see you know the the performance have you gotten that feedback say you've already given the survey you got the feedback you gave that feedback or forward uh feed forward sorry you gave that feed forward to the manager and then and then there i think use the word um not sponsor but um the stakeholders what, the stakeholders um and do you go back six months later, a year later, just kind of touch base and say, hey, how is what's the culture look like? What's the landscape? What's the leadership model looking like now? Yeah. So typically our engagements are minimum six months or okay. a year. So um, if we're doing the six month, then we'll, uh, you know, that's kind of the end. And then we'll see if we want to work on a second goal to if to move into the year or if we're doing the year long engagement, then we'll do the survey mid midpoint at six months and then again at one year but okay. typically what we do is even when we've you know 
finished a, an engagement, we'll always, uh, relationships are key. So we'll always maintain those relationships with our partners. Uh, you know, it, the leaders have done really well, but we always want to check in to see if there's anything else that we could do to support the ongoing effort, the sustainability. And how many leaders do you typically assist in one organization at a time? What is that? Yeah, so typically, so it, it depends. Um, at one time, we would say a good number is about 15 to 20 for one, yeah, uh, because it's, uh, it's very in-depth. So when we coach, it's, you know, a lot of coaches work by the clinical model. So they bill every hour or they bill mm -hmm. a certain number of sessions. The way we coach is actually very different. So we actually say it's unlimited coaching for that the engagement time mm -hmm. in order to meet the goal. So whatever it takes for us to be successful at that particular goal. Now, do the clients have an expectation beyond just we see improvement in our people? Or are they saying, based on this, we're expecting improvement in our people, production, revenue, et cetera? Or is it like, hey, that's step one is let's improve the people. Mm -hmm, Stage mm -hmm. two would be et cetera, et cetera. What, what does that model look like? Yeah. Your engagements? Yeah. 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 I mean, in, uh, you know, if we get all of that initially, those expectations laid out, it makes the work a lot easier. I will tell you that even though some of my, our engagements, we did not explicitly say we want to improve, you know, our people, the morale, uh, we want to improve um, sort of um, our next quarter in terms of fiscal. It it did. So mm -hmm. it, 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 it did, you know, My even product. though we didn't make it explicit. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So uh, what's the name of that? Um, do you use a proprietary or an external? So, yeah. So it's called stakeholder centered coaching okay. and it was previously, uh, you know, developed by Marshall Goldsmith and uh, they have a proprietary um, survey that we run. Okay. Yeah. But the 360 is uh, an interview based behavioral 360. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, you might do, sorry, yeah. Orlando. Yeah. No, go ahead, because sometimes you might. Some, sometimes we might add on another leadership assessment, which is um, a Hogan. Um, it yep. is, you know, it is a well-used leadership assessment, but uh, it's not necessary. I find the 360 provides a lot more input, a lot more value. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> You've been through them? I've, I've been through a 360 mo uh Hogan of uh, several. Oh yeah. Several. Yeah. Several yeah. personal survey surveys and assessments. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the name of the one uh, I last took, which is a couple of years ago. That was pretty spot on from just a, an individual, um, right. you know, character traits that I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was just like mind blown. I was like, holy cow, like uh, this, is, this is me. Uh -huh. right. <clears throat> so definitely areas of uh, improvement to work on for sure. <laughs> No one's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the, the hard part is, you know, once you have that, you're going to do something about it. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise there's, yeah, there's nothing you can get from it. Yeah. yeah you wish you could just erase that. Well, let's just take that off. And right. here's, here's my shining pieces. Uh, build, let's build a career around this in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as you're interacting with this, um, and I don't want it to sound biased or anything, uh, but women and men leaders in, in, mm -hmm. in leaders, were you seeing some of that kind of, you know, struggle 
Um, is that more from the men's side in this in this culture, or is it more women? I would think women are more progressive, obviously. But uh, share, share with me what is that what does that landscape look like there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if I could make some generalizations, mm-hmm. what I've seen is that our men leaders often come with a little bit more confidence in general. And, um, you know, a lot of women have that too, but um, this is very generalized. It's not like it doesn't apply to everyone, but I would say more so probably in the middle, in the middle of management, you would see Mm -hmm. more, um, uh, more men who are confident. And you've seen this even when it comes to applying for jobs, right? Men will apply for jobs, whether they have 50 to 60% of the requirements and women will not until they have 90%. Correct. So that's, yeah, that's a, that's a big one that we see. And the other one I think that comes into play is when it comes to empathy and the compassion and the human side, it's, um, it's more natural for a lot of women leaders. And there was, there was um, a lot of research or a bunch of articles that were published around this because of the pandemic and the leadership and, you know, the female leadership and how they, they led their their countries and you know they did far better than a lot of the countries that were led by male leaders so uh, there there are some differences that come into play just based on how we're you know how we're built or how society has kind of um nurtured us in many ways to lead interesting yep okay so it it aligns it aligns across the board a little bit uh, with that there what do you, are you foreseeing any new challenges? So when they speak to you, they coat, they come to you, are they, are they speaking in current conditions or do they say, Hey, what we foresee in our organization, let's try to approach or, you know, get a game plan for that now. Um, or is it just, Hey, we're dealing with this right now. How do we fix it uh, as a leadership team? How do we get better now? But versus saying, Hey, we're doing good, but I want to get better. How do we get ahead of it? Yeah, a great question. Uh, we we see more of the current. There, it's the present that's the issue. Very few people are future focused. Very few people are thinking what long term. They're like just deal with what it is now, and I'll figure the rest out. But you know, in order to succeed, in order to, you know, go up to be that one percent, you gotta be thinking in the future. Yeah, gotta be mm. far ahead. Yeah. Would you? What would you say if we had an audience full of leaders, uh, what would you give them as a kind of a three point or three steps to say, here's what you should be thinking about um, going forward and improving your one leadership and organization? Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, firstly, take time for yourself, whether whether that means you know, you going for a walk, whether it means you, you know, going playing a sport, an activity, meditation, yoga, uh, whatever that may be, it's so important to take that time for yourself to, and then take it a notch further. I think as a leader, it's so important as we were talking about that inside out game that you need to, you need to know who you are and create who you want to be. Mm. We talk sometimes, you know, I used to use the term discover and um, I read something recently that said it's not it's not a discovery process. It's actually a create a creative process. Like what we want is is here. It's just a matter of creating it. That's a book. 
<laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. Who you want to be. That's a book. That's it, right? You got to create it instead of waiting for circumstances to change, instead of waiting for others to uh, kind of do what it is you want. You mm-hmm. you got to create what it is you want. So I would say, you know, you have to start there. And that it's that belief, that perseverance, that faith in yourself, in your own abilities, that no matter what, I, I want to do this. This is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. A lot of leaders, I've, you know, um, are, in, are in it not when you when you think about leadership, it's actually a very it requires a lot of investment on a personal level. And it can be draining in many ways, right? So it requires true leadership is something that is kind of, you're serving a cause that's beyond you. Mm-hmm. Yep. So until you get there, I think it, it's it's very hard for a lot of leaders because you will give up too soon because you, you don't have that purpose to keep you going. And I'm sure you res- resonate with this, given your your wife and you know, the, <laughs> the activities yeah, that you're exactly. involved in. I mean, yeah. that's a huge revelation for for people in general, regardless of role, but for leaders. Yeah. Because again, you're coaching executive leaders, and you see um, the burden they take on. Right. And like you said take time for yourself, which is huge. So are you seeing that they can't separate themselves just because the pressure is so great um, and they just want to do good, but can't figure it out or find, find space in their life to, to improve. They just so, you know, bogged down by the weight of the role and the demand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for some of them, it may be for some of them, it may be almost like they're so used to doing it. Like a lot of leaders um, I've seen are people who have just been on the go. They need to they need to do something all the time. And for them, that is it's almost like busyness is uh, is a fuel for them. But busy is not is not equivalent to productivity. Right. They're they're different. And then what I've seen is a lot of leaders who fall into that cycle, suddenly their body does something, you know, they end up with an illness or they're stressed or something happens that now they have to take a break. Well, that that reminds me of a quote. And it's funny. I heard it from Denzel Washington (laughs) on some, some clip. He said, don't confuse movement with progress. Mm -hmm. He said, cause you can run in place and not get anywhere, (laughs) which is true. So yeah. that's that's yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. And so as as you ascend again to our earlier um, discussion, as you ascend higher, the pressure becomes more mm-hmm. and it's harder to find time for you to break away so you can be at your best to progress that's, and help. You know, wow. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, as you keep moving up, um, people think that the challenges get less and, you know, their life is so easy. Mm-hmm. It's not true. There, the challenges get even bigger. You know, now you have a bigger scale of control. You have people who are working, who, whose wages you're responsible for, whose livelihood, families. So the challenges get bigger, but you you grow as a person to be able to meet those challenges. So I want to I want to turn the question to you to give uh, some of your personal advice on what's helped you build, you know, build your company, grow your company scale um, and help 
coaches. So you said create who you want to be. What are some of the steps you've implemented, you know, in your life early on or now that's getting you to where you want to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you are creating who you want to be, it comes down to self-image, yourself, your concept of yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't done this, it's so important to take the time to really see who you see yourself to be today. Honestly, you know, being honest to yourself, who do you see yourself to be? And then thinking about the goals, what you want to accomplish, what is required of that person? What's, you know, how does that person look? How do they act? How do they think? How do they dress? How do you know, what do they do? All those details, if you can, if you can kind of map out and then you've got to start doing that every day. You got to start practicing. I'll tell you very early on. Um, I mean, you know, a lot of people now who see me, who meet me are surprised that I'm actually an introvert. You know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm not someone who was a natural speaker, actually would rarely speak up in meetings, was afraid to speak up. Mm. So when I, when I decided that, Hey, this is not the life I want, you know, I'm, I'm going to put whatever it is, but I, I want a different life. This is not what I want. I want, I want to change things. I actually would practice, you know, walking around my home, put on my, you know, I would dress up, put on my heels and walk around and actually just practice, practice the walk, practice talking, just, you know, in front of the mirror, whatever that may be to actually, you're almost visualizing that person you want to become. And mm-hmm. then you got to be that person today. You cannot wait. You cannot wait for reality to change. You got to change that. Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so h- how do you take time for yourself, Sheehan? H- how do you do that? What do you do? Maybe yeah, someone who, who's listening or catch the replay to say, yes, I'm going to implement that. <laughs> so, um, you know, given I have I have two little kids uh, and a full-time business and I do a bunch of other volunteer work, sit on boards and, you know, on the women's committee and things like that. It's, it's such an important piece. So for me personally, I, I use yoga, you know, yoga is a big part of my own life. Uh, I teach yoga as well, actually. So I, I kind of do that as a way for me to give back. So every Saturday I teach at the studio every Saturday morning. Um, And then I practice that, you know, kind of on a regular basis because true yoga is not something you just do on the mat. It's actually, what you live every day in every moment, mm. the way you think, the way you act, the things you do. So I would say that's a big part of my own practice. And, and then I do a lot of reading. Um, you know, I was not a reader. So <laughs> I've, uh, I've done a full 360. You know, I, the only thing I used to read were my textbooks for school. And, and that was more than enough. I hated, I hated writing, you know, book uh, summaries and all of the other things. Um, and then somehow when I decided to, invest in myself i i got this was an interest that kind of just blew up and now i cannot stop so it's like you know my husband he's like there's a book every every week that's coming to the door and um yeah so that's that's a big part of how i guess it's part of my self-care but also it it kind of keeps me motivated keeps me engaged and interested in you know, on that journey of learning self-growth. And and lastly, of course, like time with, you know, family and friends and, um, 
and just um, sitting down. I do some journaling too, not a lot, but I, I do take time every day to just journal things that I'm grateful for, uh, what I want to accomplish for the day, like top three things I want to accomplish for the day. And then a few sentences, um, sort of like affirmations for myself that I actually believe in, because otherwise affirmations don't work if you don't believe in them. It, ooh, yeah. Yep, you said a mouthful. People, yeah. some folks think affirmations don't work or faith or belief ill. It works. Mm -hmm. It works. Vision boards still work, folks. Stuff like that still works. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I love that. I love that. So I want to be mindful of the time. I want to ask a few last questions. Uh, one being, what's next for you in your business uh, for 2023? Hmm. Uh, so lots of exciting things. Um, we're actually just we just started a new partnership with um, an organization in the U.S. Uh, who's doing some amazing work. So. We have a cohort of um, BIPOC women leaders. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to be helping them to move into, you know, more leadership roles, into more board positions. So excited about that. And um, and then, you know, we do some other work with another nonprofit organization, helping their women leaders to, again, climb up to scale into senior positions. And then here locally, we have uh, we're going to be running a cohort of healthcare leaders. Uh, I'm just starting actually this month, where we're going to be taking them through a leadership ring circle of activities. And um, yeah, and then there's um, uh, I know I know there are there are lots of things lined up that um, are on the on the radar. Like probably don't remember all of them, but. Uh, um, there, oh, the Huron Conference uh, is coming up in May, and I'll be speaking there. Actually, I'm doing a talk on humble leadership, the ripple effect of humble leadership. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. Oh, I wish I would have brought that up. But yeah, that's that's a good one. <laughs> humble leadership. Uh, the last question: What keeps you going every day? What's your motivator? Mm. Good question. You know, when I think about my why and my motive, my motivator, somehow I I think it always comes back to my my children, my you know, and it's how do I create a better future for them and their generation so that I leave this world in a better state than than I found it. So that has always been you know. Sometimes I think about what I was doing before I got married or before I had kids because I had all the time in the world and I didn't do anything. And then once I had the first kid, I had the second kid. And then now I want to do all these things. Right. Uh -huh. um, uh, but somehow I find the time, you know, we find the time to do it. So I think I think they've been such a big motivator in my own journey and finding my purpose uh, it's challenging, no doubt. I, you have, <laughs> you have your kids, and oh, yeah. you know, yeah, parenting can be challenging, but um, definitely such such an important motivator for myself personally. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who follows me know I have six girls, so yeah, <laughs> they, they they're like what? <laughs> but Shein, thank you so much uh, for your time, your grace, your expertise. Share with folks where they can find you, they can follow you, and they can hire you. Thank you so much, Orlando, for having me. Um, it's a wonderful conversation. And um, in terms of finding me, I'm on LinkedIn. You can you know, feel free to reach out and connect. 
or um, you can find my website, www.shanshu.com. Um, I do have a podcast that we were running. So all of the, the sessions are recorded and available on the website. And then you can email me also. It's shian uh, at shianshu.com. Love it. Love it. Uh, I keep saying last question and I always lie. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing you would share with the, the followers viewing this that they can take away and say, yep, this is what I'm going after. I'm implementing this. Uh, this is a great action plan to, to start with for any leaders. What would you give them? Mm. Work on your self-image. So right now, go and take a notepad and write down how it is that you currently see yourself. Think about where you want to go. Okay. Think about what it is. What are those goals that you have for yourself? Is that the same person? Does it match? Who do you need to become? Who do you need mm. to be to achieve those goals? And automatically, you're going to start, the wheels are going to start churning. You're going to start moving. Love but you got to do it. you got to take action. <laughs> Love it. Create who you want to be. That's a book coming out from she No. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. But then, thank you so much again. I'm going to close this out. Hang on one for, uh, second for me, Shan. But, folks, we will see you next time on the Career Talks podcast. Thanks so much. <laughs>